Hello and welcome back to the New Wine Ireland podcast. In this episode we have the third and final part of our Bible reading sessions with Clive Atkinson on the book of Philemon. If you haven't caught up on the previous two make sure to do that first but if you have then we'll just jump straight in to this episode. Well good morning everyone and welcome back to the last in our summer 21 Bible readings. Hope you're well today. Uh, We've been reading through one of the New Testament's smallest letters, the letter to Philemon, written by the Apostle Paul from prison to a businessman called Philemon about Onesimus, his runaway slave. Um, This letter punches way above its weight and although it celebrates the power of the gospel to change people, one of its focuses is on the power of the gospel to change society. On day one, we saw, or I hope we saw, how the gospel challenges attitudes towards prisons and prisoners. Yesterday saw Paul asking, that's probably two weeks, strongly encouraging Philemon to receive his runaway slave back, but not as a runaway slave, not as a criminal, but as an equal, as a brother in Christ. Something that would have flown in the face of the social fabric of his day, something that would have been really costly for Philemon to do. It certainly would have got the neighbours talking. And today we're going to look at the most uncomfortable part of this letter, the challenge that the gospel brought to Onesimus, the slave. So if you've got your Bibles open, um, let's turn to the letter of Philemon together again. Um, If you find Hebrews, just go left. If you find Titus, go right and you'll be there. Um, I'm going to read from verse 12 right to the end. I'm sending him, Paul's talking about Onesimus, I'm sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would like to keep him with with me so that he could take care, so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favour you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he is separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Onesimus has become a Christian through Paul. We've no detail how that happened. We just know that it has happened. So Paul has a runaway slave on his hands who's just become a Christian, who said pastoral ministry was easy. What's Paul going to do? Well, he had a number of choices. He could have given Onesimus money and sent him on his way and said, Onesimus, get, a, get as far away from here as you can. Or he could have kept Onesimus as his assistant and hoped that nobody would have found out. Instead, and this is the earthquake at the heart of this letter, Paul sends Onesimus back, back to Philemon. Paul sends this slave back to his slave master. Now, why would Paul do that? And why would Onesimus agree? Well, I want us to dig into that this evening or this morning as we come to the end of our Bible readings together. Uh, some of us will remember way back to the early 90s when the Alpha Course began to make its way into Northern Ireland uh, and it came in the form of tapes and videos. And I remember Sandy Miller introducing the Alpha Course, sitting in his garden somewhere in Kensington, and he said something that I will never forget. He said that the church had lost its confidence in the gospel to save, to change lives, to change society. And one of the things that the Alpha Course has done alongside other similar courses is to restore our conviction that the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified is powerful enough, not just to change people, but to change communities and to change the social fabric. The Apostle Paul had no doubt in the gospel to change lives, to change attitudes, to challenge and to change the social fabric. And you can see that in what he asks of Onesimus. And you can see that in what he asks of Philemon. And so Paul, uh, convinced in the power of the gospel, asks Onesimus, the runaway slave, newly converted, to return to Philemon, the slave master. And he asks Philemon, the slave master, to receive Onesimus, newly converted, not as a slave, but as an equal, as a brother in Christ. Paul believes that the gospel which is at work in Onesimus and at work in Philemon will do its work. And not only will there be reconciliation between Onesimus and Philemon, but a process will begin which will challenge the very social fabric of the Roman Empire. Now, what about that for a vision of the gospel? Don't you just love the confidence that Paul has in the gospel? May Ireland be full of women and men who have such confidence in the gospel. Now, having said all that, what I've just described to you is problematic for 21st century people. And it's problematic on a number of different levels. Here's the first. Paul is sending a slave back to a slave master. 
Onesimus has been sent back. Shouldn't Paul be facilitating Onesimus' freedom? That's the first problem. Here's the second one. Philemon is presented at least face value as the victim, verses 17 to 18. Onesimus has stolen from him, according to Paul, and run away. Now, in the 21st century, that dog is simply not going to hunt. No one would today would consider a slave owner a victim. They would consider them the oppressor. Philemon is the oppressor here. Onesimus is the victim. And yet, at face value, Philemon here is presented as the victim. A third problem that arises from this story is the fact that Paul does not confront slavery head on. He does not call it out. He doesn't de-platform Philemon. And surely that is what the kingdom of God coming should look like in this instance. Paul, the apostle, calling out slavery. Um, I hope we feel the force of those problems. These are important questions. They deserve our attention. And wouldn't it be great if we could just sit the Apostle Paul down and just grill him in person and say, why Paul? Why, why, why? Now that of course is not possible. And so we have to make scripturally informed best guesses and to do that with great humility. So let me share with you what I think Paul's doing here. Uh, you may see this differently. Here's what I think. I believe that Paul is holding together intention, justice on the one hand, and the call to reconciliation on the other. And he's holding them as tightly together as he possibly can. And this, I believe, is because Paul's understanding of this situation is being formed and framed by the cross. That place where justice and reconciliation, justice and mercy are held together. So on the one hand, we have Philemon, the slave owner, uh, who has a slave called Onesimus. There's a matter of justice. In a similar vein, we have Onesimus who has stolen from Philemon and run away. Arguably a matter of justice, which Paul doesn't ignore. And yet on the other hand, Onesimus and Philemon are both one in Christ. They are both part of a community where there is neither Jew nor, nor Gentile, slave nor three, free. But these brothers in Christ are estranged. And this is a matter of reconciliation. Now, in recent years, the church has been reminded painfully of its failure to seek justice on behalf of victims. Rather than, than taking the cries for help seriously, the church has at times sought to silence those cries for help and to protect its reputation. And at times we have heard the church say, for the sake of the gospel, and use that as an excuse to brush issues of justice, injustice under the carpet. 
uh, the scandals surrounding Rabbi, Ravi Zacharias and Jonathan Fletcher and the failure to protect and stand up for those abused have humbled us all, especially if, like me, you come from the evangelical uh, side of the church. And so it's really important for us to see Paul speaking up on behalf of a slave in this letter. Paul, have you noticed, is the voice of Onesimus here because Onesimus doesn't have a voice. Paul is embodying something important for us all. Paul is advocating on behalf of Onesimus and from the gospel calling Philemon to see his world differently and to change his attitude towards Onesimus. We see Paul shouldering the cost incurred by Onesimus and offering to make reparation to Philemon. You see that this is Paul, not just speaking about justice, but acting justly and loving mercy. This is Paul, the social reformer, empowered and informed by the gospel. So if you've got your Bibles open, why don't you turn to verses 18 and 19 for me? Um, and let's just listen to the vocabulary and the language that Paul is using here. So verse 18, if, this is Paul speaking to Philemon again about Onesimus, if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Now, the cross is not mentioned here. But surely this is the vocabulary of the cross. A wrong has been done. A price has been paid. Justice has been done. And a way for reconciliation has been opened up. See, Paul is looking for both justice to be done and reconciliation to take place between the two, between two estranged Christians. There's a, a really interesting caveat uh, at the end of this passage in verses 23 to 24. Uh, and these are the sorts of verses that you could very, very easily skip over. But um, let me read them for you, 23 to 24. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, sends you greetings, as so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. They seem harmless enough, aren't they? But... In these list of names, in this list of names, there are two painful stories. Painful particularly for Paul because there are two stories of desertion. Mark and Demas. Mark, the author of the gospel, had been on Paul's team but had deserted him, left him because things had got too tough. Later, Barnabas would suggest that Mark should rejoin the team again but Paul will have none of it, and it leads to a deep disagreement and a falling out. But what verse 25 tells us is that Paul and Mark have been reconciled. And we're once, now, now once again working together. Clearly there's been repentance, forgiveness and reconciliation. Mark had deserted Paul, but Paul had received him back. Sound familiar? 
And then there's the story of Demas, who too was Paul's teammate and who also had deserted Paul. And we read the story in 2 Timothy, where Paul says to Timothy, Timothy that Demas had legged it because he was in love with the present world. Well, now there's no news or no information in the New Testament of, of Demas, Demas returning. It's interesting that, that Paul, Paul's personal experience about having someone like Mark desert him and then the journey of reconciliation and receiving him back echoes deeply with what's going on here in this passage. Mark deserted Paul. Onesimus had deserted Philemon. And for Paul, this cannot be brushed under the carpet. True repentance means Onesimus going back. He's become a Christian and this wrong dream of doing needs to be addressed. So Onesimus will return, a sign of repentance, an opportunity to apologize and make amends. But it's also an opportunity for Philemon to repent, to repent from enslaving Onesimus, degrading him, an opportunity for Philemon to restore Onesimus as a human being and as a brother. You see, Paul really believes in the power of the cross. Uh, you'll know this already, but closely associated with the letter to Philemon, as well as the letter to the Colossians, is Paul's second letter to Corinthians. Uh, these three letters should really be read together. Uh, and in 2 Corinthians 5, we hear this. This is Paul, verse 16, 5 verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Isn't that what's going on here? Philemon no longer regarding Onesimus from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. The new creation, with, with Onesimus coming to faith, there is a sign of the new creation coming. And all of this is from God who, who reconciled us to, through, through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You can almost hear Paul saying that to Philemon. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, there in the background is the power of the cross energizing Paul's words. So what happens next? What happened next? Sadly, we don't know. Did Onesimus go home? Did he return to, uh, to Philemon? Did Philemon receive him as a human being, as a brother? <laughs> it's frustrating, but we don't know. Except there are two really interesting hints that suggest the, how the story ends. There's a scriptural hint 
and there's a hint from church history. And so at the end of Colossians 4 verses 7 to 9, we read of Tychicus bringing a letter from Paul to the Colossians alongside someone called, can you guess what his name was? Onesimus. Is this a hint that Onesimus had gone back to Philemon? And if he did, what was the reception? Well, again, we don't know, but we have this really interesting little piece of information from the early church father, Ignatius. He was a second century, second generation Christian leader, and he speaks of a bishop of Ephesus who led the church after Timothy. Can you guess what his name was? Onesimus, the slave who became a bishop. As New Wine Ireland Summer 21 comes to an end, may we virtually leave this conference with this hunger to have a deep confidence in the gospel. Yes, to change lives, but what about the confidence that the gospel would transform our homes, our neighbourhoods, our places of work, and our communities, that would transform the social fabric of our island, of our respective nations. Let's not be people who have lost confidence in the gospel. Let us be people who have confidence in a powerful gospel to transform our nation. May it be so. Amen. You've been listening to the New Wine Ireland podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode and have been challenged by what has been shared. Thank you for joining us and we hope you'll tune in again next week.